Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Be Careful Out There. I'm Chris. And I'm Kelsey. And today we do have to apologize for missing an episode on Monday. So we actually did record an episode, but it just honestly wasn't the greatest episode. We weren't super happy with the quality. We recorded it at like 2 a.m., which a lot of our episodes are being recorded at 2 a.m. right now just because of how chaotic our schedules are. Um, but yeah, we were kind of tired and it just didn't live up to the quality we wanted. So we decided we're going to re-record this episode and it's just going to come out on Wednesday instead of Monday. So sorry if you missed us on Monday. Hopefully it doesn't happen again. Today I have a mystery for you. This is known as the boy in the box case and it's super strange how little information we have. Yes, I know this case, actually. We've watched the BuzzFeed Unsolved about this case. but I don't even remember that. Oh, really? Well, I do know that since the BuzzFeed Unsolved has come out, there's been some further investigation into the case. Ooh, yeah. Because... You're absolutely right. So this happened back in 1957 and still has not been solved. So here's what happened. On February 25th, 1957, a box was found in the woods on the side of the road in the Fox Chase area of Philadelphia. This box contained the body of a four to six-year-old boy who would not be identified until 2022. That's so sad. I know. This, uh, is, a, this is a super sad one. Honestly, anybody dying is sad, especially children. And that's That's one of the most tragic things of all the wars going on, like in Ukraine and Israel and all that stuff, is you know there are innocent children being killed as well. Innocent civilians. Have nothing to do with any of the 
people, actual shit that's going on. People who are just trying to go to work or just trying to go home or whatever, and they're getting caught up in the middle of all of this. And it's horrific. It's so sad to see. Yeah, it's disgusting. And yeah, this kid was just like left in a box on the side of the road. Like That that's, makes it way worse. I know. It's not even just a child that died. But to be just discarded on the side of the road is just so disgusting. I know. The child had scars and bruises, and there were also signs of malnourishment, which is another really sad thing. His feet were pruny as well, suggesting that he could have been in the water recently. And oddly enough, there were also signs that he had recently gotten a haircut and a trimming of the fingernails, possibly after his death. See, that's a super disturbing note. If it was after his death, that's really disturbing because it implies that the person who did those things actually cared about the boy. But then he was just left on the side of the road in a box. Those things kind of seem to contradict each other. And it just it's very confusing and disturbing. I wonder if it was a psychotic episode. I wonder how many times I'm going to say disturbing during this episode because I feel like I've already said it about a dozen times. Well, I mean, it's not not disturbing, so you are correct. And the boy was wrapped in a plaid blanket, which is also super fucked up. It's just like it's super domestic, but he's thrown onto the side of the road. He was found by a man who was checking his rabbit traps, but he didn't call the police because he was afraid he would get in trouble for setting the rabbit traps. Then, a few days after that, a college student found the boy in the box, but he assumed that it was a doll and didn't say anything about it at first. Then, he heard about a missing New Jersey student named Mary Jane Barker, so he called the police and informed them of what he had seen. Rabbit traps. He didn't call because of rabbit traps. How much trouble are you going to get into over rabbit traps? I don't think you're doing 25 to life over some rabbit traps, but this is a person that you're talking about. Also, like, just take them down and then call the police. Exactly. When the police arrived on the scene, they discovered that the box had been for a bassinet sold at JCPenney. Also found at the crime scene were the following items a man's blue corduroy cap, a child's scarf, and a man's white handkerchief with the letter G in the corner. This was it as far as evidence. The police determined the cause of death to be homicide by blunt force trauma. Officer Elmer Palmer told the Philadelphia Inquirer in 2007, it's something you don't forget. This one was the one that bothered everybody. I bet, because... Everything is just so unsettling. First, you're starting with the death of a child, which is Mm -hmm. already unsettling. And then you have the cause of blunt force trauma, which could be anything. But then you have potential haircut and nail trimmings afterwards. The blanket in a box for, was it, you said a bassinet? Mm -hmm. That all of that is so disturbing because... It seems as if it came from a normal household. Right. As if maybe this was some sort of accident that was being covered up. So the haircut and the fingernail trimmings, those come across to me as like they cared about the boy, but obviously not enough to report the death. Otherwise, he wouldn't be on the side of the road. So it seems like there was something trying to be covered up here. 
which is really scary to think yeah, about. Yeah, definitely. It looks like somebody was just trying to like, it, it kind of felt to me like they were trying to get rid of evidence, but at the same time, like they left the blanket, they left the handkerchief, the cap or whatever. Like they just kind of, it was super sloppy, almost like they knew they were going to get away with it and they didn't care. That's interesting because, yeah, it was just kind of tossed out on the side of the road, but maybe they just assumed nobody would ever look, but I don't know. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. That's weird. There's always people cleaning up trash. Like you see prison crews or whatever that have people out there doing cleaning and stuff like that. So any trash on the side of the road is going to be cleaned up or looked at at some point Mm -hmm. so why would you just assume that nobody was going to find it like that i don't i don't think anybody would have assumed that that's so weird so yeah why did they seem to have a confidence that they weren't going to get caught like why were they so sloppy about it that's i don't know maybe it was someone from really far away and they kind of you know were in a getaway car and they didn't think that it would matter because they'd be gone soon but yeah another thing like you said that bothers me about this case It's just how no one ever came looking for this kid. There weren't any missing person ads that ever matched to this boy. It's just a lot of times we talk about people like Maura Murray or Brandon Swanson, who just completely fell off of the grid. But here you have a person showing up and being found. But it seems like no one was looking for him. It's the complete reverse. Exactly. And that, again, makes me think that it was some sort of cover up. And almost seems as if this happened maybe within a family, because if a kid was taken, then killed by somebody else, the family would report them. But if it was some sort of accident or domestic violence in the home that resulted in the child's death, then they would probably try to cover it up and therefore never actually report the kid missing, which is why, you know, it could be difficult to identify somebody like that. Yeah. And a lot of the investigation was centered around identifying the boy. His fingerprints were taken, of course, and 400,000 flyers were distributed. 
showing his face, and his body was exhumed in both 1998 and 2019 in order to obtain DNA. And in 2016, they were able to do a forensic facial reconstruction of the boy, so he was added into the database of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. But let's dive into some of the theories that have been previously formed concerning the boy in the box. The police have followed thousands of leads pertaining to this case, but none of them have been successful. Some have been a little better than others. In 1960, Remington Bristow, who was one of the medical examiners working on the case, wanted to check out a local foster home. And the reason he wanted to check it out was because he had asked a New Jersey psychic for help with the case. And that is the direction he had been pointed in by the psychic. So he checked out a foster home at the direction of a psychic. Yes. Well, because they were having trouble solving the case on their own. So it looks like they were exploring other avenues. I mean, also, this was the 50s. I mean, fair enough. Do what you can, I guess. Foster homes would definitely be something I would be looking into. Yes. Because my assumption would be that if a kid was accidentally killed and then was discarded on the side of the road, my assumption would be either a foster home where the documentation wasn't really done right. And mm -hmm. so, you know, a kid going missing could possibly happen. Yeah, it'd be super easy. Get to rid just, of like, all the paperwork and everything. Yeah, or whatever. Through the system. Especially in the fifties, because this was nineteen fifty-seven. So mm -hmm. there might, there probably weren't huge databases because they didn't have computers and things like that. So foster homes are one thing that I would have been looking at as a detective. And then, obviously, if you were able to identify the child, then look at maybe their ancestry, their parents, look into that household. But this could be a child that was put up for adoption. We have no idea. Exactly. So Bristow attended an estate sale at the foster home. And yeah, I'm so ready for us to go to an estate sale. I don't know much about estate sales, but I've heard you usually get some pretty good deals there. But I see them around here all the time. I see signs for estate sales pretty much every weekend during the summer. Yeah, I delivered an order to one a few weeks ago. And yeah, it was just so chaotic. But everyone seemed super friendly. They were all having a good time. Like they had snacks. Like it was super inviting. Wow. An estate yeah. sale that has snacks. Yes, snacks. Wow. <laughs> I really just wanted to be a part of it. I just want to get back into going to like yard sales or estate sales or whatever every weekend. Because I used to do that regularly. As a kid, that's something that me and my mom would go do on the weekends. Mm -hmm. is we'd go to the cell barn yes. in BB. <laughs> which is just a big, giant outdoor flea market that happens every Saturday for those of you who don't know. With and one really good food cart. There's a lot of good food places there. Oh, there were? Yeah. I only remember one. Yeah, there are definitely a lot of food places <laughs> at that one specifically. But yeah, we would go to the cell barn and then we would go around to a couple of flea markets and then we'd go around to a bunch of yard sales and stuff and just see what we could find. And that was always super fun. Yeah. It's always fun when you get a really good deal on something. Yes. Because I went to... I love shopping secondhand like that. All right. So on another little tangent here, when I was in college, I would buy and sell clothes on eBay. Do you remember me doing that? Yeah. I would also sell a few other things. And so I'd go around to... I bought most of the clothes from Goodwill 
I would buy like Ralph Lauren polos for like $3 and then sell them for 20 on eBay. So after shipping and fees, I would make like seven or eight bucks. But one time I went to a yard sale and I found this veggie slicer thing and I didn't know anything about it. But I was like, that looks kind of expensive. And kitchen equipment usually is kind of expensive. So I decided to just quickly look it up on eBay. Mm -hmm. And they were selling for like $120. And I asked the lady, I was like, how much do you want for that? And she said, well, I was thinking 40 But if you want to pay cash for it right now, like she didn't give me a chance to respond at all. But if you want to pay cash for it right now, I'll let it go for like 15 And I was like, Okay, I was I was going to pay the 40, but sure, yeah, 15, <laughs> here you go. Nice. And so I bought it for like 15 or 20 bucks and then to sell it faster, I think I marked it for 100 on eBay and it was sold within an hour. Some of the easiest money I've ever made. Yeah, I love it when you can just find a yard sale where there's like a bunch of really nice things and the people are just trying to get rid of it. It's definitely fun when they have nice things that you want. Mm-hmm. And then also, if you enjoy the hobby of reselling things, that's also really nice. Usually when it comes to reselling things, it's not even about the money. It's just fun to take some of your money, go buy something and then sell it for even more money. There's just something about that that I find enjoyable. There's something that I find enjoyable about spending money and like getting something for myself or for you. But I, like I the bet. selling part of it is not super fun for me. Obviously, I like it could buying be if nice I got things. into it. Obviously, I like buying nice things for myself as well. But I don't know. It's just a fun hobby. It's more fun to make money doing something like that than going to a job. True. The hard part is making money consistently doing that to where it could replace your job. Like that's not necessarily easy. Yeah, I'd probably rather do that than a real job, <laughs> to be honest. But anyway, Bristow attended this estate sale where he happened to find a bassinet that was super similar to the one that had come in the box that the boy was found in, which I don't think is super weird. It was a foster home, and I think this might have been at a time where J.C. Penney kind of sold everything to everyone. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> and a foster home, that could have been a donation, or they could have just bought a bunch of different kind of bassinets, so... Yeah, that doesn't really mean much of yeah, anything. Yeah, I bet a lot of people were buying a bassinet from JCPenney. And there were also blankets hanging on their clothesline that were similar to the blanket found around the boy. Again, it's hard to say how suspicious that really is. So, yeah, if there were young kids living there, they were likely to have these items. Exactly. Think about the two fuzzy blankets we have. We have a gray fuzzy blanket and then we have the exact same blanket (laughs) in purple. Yeah. And that's just us. And I guarantee you everybody has some sort of fuzzy throw blanket in their house. If you don't, you should. (laughs) We're trying to just collect them. Yes. (laughs) I like to keep it very cold so that way I can either always be wearing a hoodie Or wrapped in a blanket, one of the two. Amazing. But yeah, Bristow theorized that a young girl who was a member of the household had had a child and then disposed of it so that people wouldn't know her as an unwed mother. But nothing ever came of any of this. (laughs) And every foster kid was accounted for. And no real connection was ever found between this household and the boy in the box. That sounds super weird now. 
But that was a common thing back then for people. If right. they got pregnant out of wedlock, they would quickly get married dangerous. Yeah. or they would try and hide or whatever. Yeah, because there were some people who, if they would get pregnant, they'd like move back into their parents and try and stay out of public until they had the baby and then give it up for adoption. Things like that happened all the time back then. You just know, just being like the bullshit world we live in. Yeah, being single and pregnant back then just was very much looked down upon. So that theory that the detective had was probably more likely back then than it would be nowadays. Mm-hmm. You're right. And then in 2002, a woman who identified as Martha or just M, like the letter M, came forward and claimed that her mother had bought the boy from another family in 1954. She said that her mother would frequently abuse the child and then killed him one night in a fit of rage after he had thrown up. She said that he had eaten baked beans and baked beans had been found in his stomach, so that does check out. Also, she said that her mother had tried to bathe the boy after beating him to death, which would also account for the pruny feet. However, the police were ultimately never able to substantiate any of this. Uh, Martha apparently had a history of mental illness, and neighbors who had lived by her during the time period she was referring to said that the claims were ridiculous. I'm not sure how they would have known, but that's just me. Yeah, those were some very specific details that if the police hadn't released to the public would have been pretty damning, honestly. Yeah. So I don't think your neighbor saying, oh, they're not the kind of person that would do that should be enough to, you know, stop the investigation there because that. And they might have taken it further. But yeah, I, I feel like they wouldn't dismiss it just because of that. But also oversights like this do happen all the time. So what can I really say about it? Yeah, and also I don't know if those details were public because if they were public details, then that takes away from it a little bit. But yeah. often police officers or detectives or whatever will withhold certain details from the public so that way if somebody comes to them with those details, they kind of know like this person did it or they know yeah. who did or something like that. Mm -hmm. So those were just a couple of the most notable theories surrounding the murder. But interestingly, those are the best theories to date. We don't really have anything more credible than that. Finally, in 2022, it was revealed to the public that the boy had been identified as Joseph Augustus Zarelli. He was identified using genetic testing and investigative genetic genealogy. <laughs> See, that was the thing that was different. So when we watched the BuzzFeed Unsolved, he was still unidentified. Yes. And then it was just very recently that they were able to identify him, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. That definitely... That's pretty cool if you were like keeping up with the case. Uh-huh. I'm sure that there are a bunch of people other than the fam... Well, I guess there wasn't really a family looking for him. No, that's the so whole thing. I, <sighs> That's what's so wild about this. I don't know how many people have been constantly refreshing their browser looking for updates since 1957, but it would be nice to see some justice. I like to, to think that justice. there are a couple people. I like to think that there are a couple of people who are just on the edge of their seats waiting for the name to be revealed. 
Joseph's parents had been a construction magnate and a woman described as beautiful, kind, and quiet. The parents' names were Augustus Zarelli and Mary Abel, who went by Betty. Zarelli had been the son of Italian immigrants who grew up in West Philadelphia. And it was believed that Betty had put Joseph up for adoption as she had with a daughter previously. And yeah, this is what makes the most sense to me because otherwise you would think they'd be making quite a fuss over their missing son, you know? Yeah, and that makes the theory of this happening in a foster home more plausible, knowing that it was highly likely that he was given up for adoption because your assumptions would be either A, they never gave him up for adoption and they accidentally killed him, or B, they gave him up for adoption and whoever took him in did this to him. Mm-hmm. Either way, I just feel horrible for this poor child. Me too. One of the surviving family members has denied that Betty had anything to do with Joseph's death, saying that the adoption happened through a Catholic organization. Super vague. A Catholic organization. How many Catholic organizations are there out there? I don't know, but the Catholic Church is pretty big. And if anyone doesn't know, um, they have a long history of child abuse. I mean, there are plenty of good people in the Catholic Church, but yeah, the organization itself does not have a very good reputation. And like, we cannot deny that. Yep. Nope. Not denying that. I've never been to a Catholic church. I'm not Catholic, but I feel like with any religion, there's always going to be some bad people in there. Yeah. With any just organization, too. True. Because even just a business, like most businesses are going to have some shitty people in them. Yeah. One of Augustus's children said that the family had been attacked in every possible social media outlet, suggesting the most awful of things, all of which are baseless. That makes sense in the social media era that as soon as the kid's name was found out, everybody's first thought is, well, these parents weren't looking for him and then just start attacking the family on social media, which is horrific. Yeah. Attacking the the children like these people have no connection to this. They didn't even know they were related to the boy in the box until recently. Like they have to process this as well. And they were just as horrified by this as everyone else was. But then people started mindlessly attacking them. So now they have to deal with that as well. Mm-hmm. Not only do they have to deal with processing this grief and trauma, like having just their worlds turned upside down, because just being thrown into the spotlight is never a good feeling, you know? Mm-hmm. Being somebody who chooses to put yourself out on the internet and then you taking backlash, well, that's a choice that you made. But then to just be thrust into the public spotlight unknowingly and then just to be receiving that backlash, that's got to be hard mentally on on people for sure. I know. And it's like, how many kids actually know who their parents or grandparents were as people? How could they have any connection to this? Like, that's what's so stupid. I mean, even people who know their grandparents or even their great-great-grandparents, how how many of us have the foresight to really ask our grandparents about their lives? And I just think, 
I have no idea what any of my grandparents' lives were like in their early 20s. Like, we're 25 and 26 right now. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea what my grandparents were doing with their lives when they were this old. I think you get more and more curious about it as you get older and as you come of age. Mm-hmm. I feel like as a kid, you're just not thinking about it as much. And then sometimes you want to ask those questions and realize, like, it's kind of too late. We were kind of talking about something similar the other day, not necessarily talking about family members, but just driving by a house on the street and just looking at a house and wondering, I wonder who lives there and I wonder what their lives are like right now. All the that's time, just every such house a I fun, drive by. That's just such a fun thing to think about. What yes. do they do? What are the best things in their life right now? What are the worst things in their life right now? What's yeah, what stressing are they them out? Going What's, through? Yeah. What are they looking forward to? What traumas are they trying to like work through or process? Like if they go to therapy, like what are the things they're working through? What in do therapy? they like, buy at the grocery store? Obviously, I'll never know all this information about any of these people because why should I? But it's it's just... It's fun to think about other people's lives. And then it also helps you to see other people as people and not get as frustrated with, you know, things that happen. Like we've talked about our frustration with dealing with bad drivers since we spend so much time on the road. But if you stop looking at them as the asshole on the road and you just start thinking about them as a person. You have a lot more empathy for people that way, you know? So just looking at a house and just thinking about who could possibly be living there and what their lives could be like, I think just results in me being a more empathetic person throughout the day. Yeah, and if you think about it, your reality feels so big. It feels like the only reality that's going on. But if you can sort of try to step out of that every now and then and consider the possibility of someone having a completely different reality. Like, I don't know, it just makes the world seem like a bigger place. So yeah, that's the story of the boy in the box. Not much of a story, like I said, a mystery. That's an interesting one. Well, now that the boy's been identified, hopefully that will make it easier for them to close this case And maybe there will finally be some justice or maybe not necessarily justice because it's been almost 70 years now, but at least maybe some closure to the case. So that people will stop attacking the current family members. True, true. (laughs) But yeah, that, that makes me hopeful that maybe there will be some closure in the future but i just yeah. feel so bad for this child and me too how short and horrific their life probably was it's just heartbreaking yeah it really is well i think that wraps up today's episode and if you all enjoyed it and you want to help us out the best thing you can do is leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on And if you would like to support us beyond that, you could check out our Patreon for ad-free episodes. I kind of fell behind on getting the ad-free episodes up, but they should all be uploaded now. And I will make sure to get those out on Patreon before they go out on Spotify from now on, (laughs) because I did fall behind for a little bit there. But if you have your own stories, questions, comments, anything you want to say to us, all that can be sent to be careful out there podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And if you like the show, be sure to give us a follow if you want to hear a new episode every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. And as always, be, be careful, careful out, out there. there.
Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 